Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Three miracles took place on that Friday. Three miracles that in essence... This natural world got penetrated by the supernatural on Good Friday. I'm going to say that again. The three miracles were the penetration of our natural world. The natural sequence of events were penetrated with something spiritual that came into our world. Three of them on that Good Friday. I want to highlight because I was reading when we came to those verses, verse 51. And if you went back even to uh, 45 where it talks of the darkness, the temple torn, and the earth shook. I want to talk about those. We were watching the clip. Were you there when they crucified him? Well, none of us were. But our sins were. The sins were there that crucified him to the cross. And then the scripture of what took place that day, the crucifixion of Christ... And all the things that took place around the cross. But again, I want to drop into our thoughts, maybe in the next 20 minutes, three miracles. Let me talk about the first miracle. The miracle of the darkness. You have that in verse 45. Great darkness came upon the entire land. We have every reason to believe Luke 23, 44 says the world became dark. We have every reason to believe it wasn't just an eclipse over Jerusalem but that the entire globe darkened for three hours. Three hours from the point of noon to three o'clock in the afternoon. There is no record in history of a meteorological explanation. There is no record of an eclipse. There is no record of a great storm. There is no record of why the earth became dark for those three hours. There's no record historically. I'm going to suggest something, that at that moment, this is not just an event isolated in Jerusalem, this is a catastrophic event. Not just a man was crucified that day, the Son of God gave his life. This is huge. I'm going to suggest that the things, these three miracles were miracles that life was lived, crucifixions had come, crucifixions would continue to come. But something happened that day that the earth in many ways shook spiritually. The first being of the darkness. So there's no record of why, there's no explanation, there was no eclipse taking place. Might there have been something penetrating this physical world from the spiritual world in that very moment? I believe so. It doesn't tell us that the sun came out at 3 o'clock. It says the darkness that was over them passed away. I used to believe that darkness was merely the absence of light. I don't believe that anymore. I believe darkness in itself actually has an entity. I believe darkness is not the absence of something. Darkness actually is something. There's something in darkness. We know that even just naturally, if we want to just talk about what, comes, what happens at darkness, isn't because there's no light. There is something present in darkness. There's a presence. 
Something is going on. The hiddenness, the, the things that are manifest that bring darkness, not just the absence of light. There's no way to prove this, but I'd like to suggest three possibilities that occurred what penetrated the earth that day. Three possibilities. Here they are. Number one, possibly creation itself was embarrassed. Creation, and, and we were even singing earlier, uh, creation praises him. Well, how does creation praise him? Is it the birds that we hear out in the springtime? And isn't it lovely walking and you hear the birds and, and stuff? Uh, but it's, I don't think it's just that. I, the, the life of creation praises him. The waterways praise him. I, I, I enjoyed the clip because it took us not only to the life of an inner city, but it took us to the life of the waterway. All creation praises him. We know that creation acknowledges the master. Now, not in the same way you and I do creation. How do you measure creation's intelligence? But to deny that creation is not life-giving and that creation does not somehow, in its own ability, understand there's a master. And on that day, on that day, Jesus, when he hung on the cross, creation in its own capacity, in its own right, responded to the master that day around the world. Jesus was on the cross and the world went black. Jesus, we know, would walk in the water and he would speak to the water and he would say, water be still. So we know that there's a response to the master. Creation acknowledges a maker, a master, a God. I submit to you that on that day, darkness came over the world, because creation itself was shamed at what man had done. I want to propose that creation itself was disgusted that what should have been the noblest of all creation in his likeness and image did this. And creation responded. How did man allow this to happen? I want to suggest maybe not only embarrassed of creation itself, but darkness was the concentration of sin. Seems highly probable that there is a wrapping and an increase and a coming forth of darkness that took place around Calvary. I'm going to suggest a concentration of sin on that city that day. You have probably walked into places where you could sense Darkness, sense, iniquity. I submit the possibility that the darkness that covered the earth at that time was based on the fact that Jesus was not simply dying for the sins that were committed for the people of his moment and day around him. As grotesque as the sin of crucifixion was all about, Jesus was receiving to himself all the sins of humanity, history, present, and future. All the sins were on the shoulder of the Son of God that day. And might I suggest, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He was made sin for us. That sin came in concentration to Calvary that day. And it darkened. The world darkened. It's impossible that there's such a concentration of sin that happens in the invisible realm doesn't intrude into our physical realm. It intruded the physical that day. Darkness came over the face of the earth. Suggests that 
It was a darkness by embarrassment of creation. It was a darkness of the concentration of sin. And I'm going to suggest it was a darkness because of the presence of demons. Yeah, they're real. That demons, principalities, powers of this world were present. I believe that as Christ hung on the cross in the weakened state, there was a summons throughout the arenas of hell that this was their day. And they came to celebrate. And darkness was upon the land. They came to rejoice. They triumphed. They boasted. Hell's host rose up gleefully rejoicing that the answer to sin and death could not respond. The adversary, thinking he had the upper hand, as they gathered around the crucified Lord. I don't believe it's beyond reason to suggest that these concentration of demonic powers came forth and the physical realm responded. There's something happened in our realm as they came. They enveloped the earth. I believe it was whatever the case, the moment was never forgotten. Darkness was upon the first miracle. First miracle on Good Friday, darkness was upon the land. I want to talk about the second miracle. It's found in verse 51. It's the miracle of the torn veil. What took place also during that period is the veil in the temple, the place of worship, God's holy veil, a veil that separates sinfulness from the holiness. That that veil in the physical represented something that got torn in the spiritual. Invaded into our physical realm, we got a glimpse of something spiritual in the tearing of the veil. Let me just quickly explain. The veil in the temple is a massive curtain. It's not like a big quilt. It's like about 20 of them. There, it, it would be somewhere, it's guessed, between 8 to 10 inches thick. You don't break it. You don't move it quickly. It's, it's, it's one big piece of equipment that hangs in the temple that separates people from the holy of holies, the mercy seat where God's mercy, his presence manifests. And in that veil, only one time a year could that be penetrated. A priest, a high priest, once a year, not without pure spotless blood of an animal, innocent animal, would make his way under that veil on bent dirtied knees into the presence of a holy God and submit the blood. Once a year. Only once a year was there an, an allowance for a penetration of that veil. And that was at this Passover time. Just as surely as the veil was penetrated once a year on behalf of others, what would happen is because of that, then God's grace would cover over sins another year. One more year would be granted for grace. And everybody knew that this represented one day, one day a redeemer would come and we would have access directly to him again. Until then, until the redeemer came, the priest would once a year go underneath to present the blood. He would enter into that place on behalf of others. Now, this representative, once a year, what a picture we have when Jesus hung on the cross. And there's a bit of a lag between verse 45 and 51. 
In verse 45, darkness comes upon the land. Jesus is still alive at the, at the front part of it. Somewhere towards the end of the darkness, Jesus speaks and says it is finished. At that moment, the veil is torn. Just at that moment, just moments there, they go to Jesus to see if he is still alive and he has expired. They take the sword and they thrust it through his side, the physical flesh, into the heart. They would aim for heart. Blood and water flowed from a heart that had passed. But it happened within, we don't know, it happened within that period of time. The end of the darkness, before light dawned, Jesus' body had been pierced, the veil was torn. I want to submit to you that the picture of the tearing of the veil is a picture of God revealing his heart. You see, when the spear penetrated the heart of Jesus in the physical realm, the veil in the temple was being torn from the top. God ripped it apart. And he says, now my heart is open to you. Come. What separated mankind for thousands of years, come. No longer is there separation. Out there, Jesus has paid the price. Come. You have access to my heart. I believe the veil is a picture of the heart of our Father. When Jesus' heart was in the physical, the veil represented the Father's heart. The miracle of the torn veil is not simply that you have access to the Father. You've now seen what his heart was all about. His heart was that you might come home. Wow, what a picture. Come, he says. You don't have to stay out there. You don't have to stay in your shame. You don't have to stay in your unforgiveness. Your sins no longer are counted against you because of what was just done, ripped apart. Come into my presence. Come. Isn't the greatest tragedy that we don't? Isn't the greatest tragedy that we say no? Isn't the greatest tragedy that with the open veil access to the King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of all things, that we somehow still manage to say, I will not go? Second miracle on Good Friday was the tearing of the heart of Jesus, literally, but the exposure of the heart of our Father. For everyone, the invitation still stands today. Come, I give you access to me. The third miracle is the earth shook, the earthquake. The Bible says at the conclusion of the three hours of darkness, two things took place. Jesus died. It is finished. And there was an earthquake. John 19.30 speaks to the earthquake. We see the earthquake here in this passage in Matthew. I suggest that simultaneously there was an earthquake and a release from the darkness. As fearsome as the earthquake must have been, the fear was being overcome by the light that was now coming. Nowhere in the passage, any of the passages, does it say the light burst forth. It says darkness dissipated and the light came forth. There was not a, a plunging of light. It began to brighten again. Somewhere in that period of time, when hell was celebrating, concentration of darkness over the earth, Jesus died. It is finished. Veil open. Father hearts exposed, saying, come. That we are understanding that all the powers of hell that held him down no longer controlled humanity. We are told that Jesus descended into the abyss of hell with the keys of victory to those that had gone before and released 
death that no longer can contain humanity. Now death is defeated. Sin has been conquered. And the Bible describes in that moment that Jesus ascended and stepped into the other region, the underworld, wherever that is. We're not told of place. And he summoned those saying, it is done. It's finished. And the Bible says the earth quaked and and people began to see appearances. Now, the appearances is believed by commentators. They would see those that had died on resurrection day. But the graves were opened up on that earthquake day. And there was something, again, I'm talking about the spiritual penetrated the physical on Good Friday. What did the spiritual depend How did they penetrate? That the earthquake. The earthquake was evidence that the demons of hell were summoned back down again as Jesus went and he released the captives. That it is not over for them. That they dispensed in their darkness to the place of hell. Not forever and ever. But that there was a release, that once what was now is released, there is now the dawning of a new day. There is an aurora. There is an aurora. The third miracle on Good Friday was the earthquake that signaled the coming of light, that signaled that shame and death and unforgiveness no longer had power. And that the very powers that once held back now had been defeated. Jesus had released it and the earth shook. The earth shook. The graves popped open. Something happened miraculous that day. I want to just make that the the Good Friday. As I was looking at that, I was thinking, God, that is what I give thanks for. What you did. So this day, may we come with an appropriate sense of awe that the darkness is imposed upon us is no longer. May today we come with an appropriate sense of accomplishment that the cross, that the torn veil says, come, now come, now come. The heart of the Father invites us. And that we would come with the sense that as the earth shook with the announcement, this is the Son of God. He has won There's a song that was once sung, still is in places. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. I believe that's the pronunciation. Proclaimed in the earthquake. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Gloria Gaither wrote the song, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, all sickness is gone, all anxiety is gone, all heartache is gone. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Dawn has come upon us. Three miracles. I invite you this morning, if you have not embraced that invitation to come, do so. Do so today. Let this be Good Friday to you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.